Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Merc with a Movie Blog channel. I am Josh the Merc Rainer here with a brand new episode of Hey Mando, a Mandoverse review show. Um, we are talking about the book of Boba Fett. Now, uh, for those of you who have been watching the show, you know that uh, the, we didn't have one last week. Uh, you know, some stuff came up. I wasn't able to record, but don't worry. I will be covering both last week's episode and this week's episode tonight. So strap in. It's going to be a good ride. We'll be talking as chapter four and five on uh, on this episode of Hey Mando. It's going to be good. I'm real excited to talk uh, about it. These were some great episodes. I really enjoyed it. What I thought was funny is both of these episodes were kind of about a man in Mandalorian armor. who's not actually a Mandalorian trying to get a ship on Tatooine. That's all it is. When you break it down, that's what both these episodes are about. <laughs> I know that's simplifying it a lot, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I was really, I really enjoyed both of these episodes. Now, I will say this. I have some thoughts about the, the second episode, which when we get there, I'll get more into it. But uh, uh, I'm going to say my, my initial thought, and then you're going to have to wait a bit until I dive into it. It's a great episode of television it's a great mandalorian episode i don't think it's a good book of boba fett episode and we'll get into that when we get there let that simmer let that stew a little bit for you it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun talk it's gonna be a fun talk all right so we are gonna start with chapter four the gathering storm from last week uh, I, I really enjoyed this episode. This was the, uh, the midpoint episode of the series. There are three episodes after that point. Uh, so include, so we got chapter five this week, and then we got two more coming, uh, in the next couple of weeks. So the episode starts off Boba in the back to tank. And as expected, of course, we get a flashback back to Tuscan times, as I like to call it. Uh, unfortunately, this is, I think going to be the last one. I don't think we're going to get any more flashbacks, and, and uh, I'll talk about that when, when we kind of get to that point as to why I think that. Uh, so Boba is riding his Bantha through the Dune Sea. He comes uh, up on Jabba's former palace, former Jabba's palace, the now-deceased Jabba's palace, uh, now being ran by Bib Fortuna, and he's looking for revenge, maybe? Something else, maybe? We don't know yet at this point as we are watching the episode. We don't actually know why specifically he's scouting out the palace, but we'll find out soon. We'll find out soon. Later that night, he's eating uh, along with his Bantha, uh, which is a cute little scene. Um, it really kind of shows you how close he gets to these animals, you know, the, these companions of his. Uh, and it, to me, it really shows the kind of relationship we're going to see between him and the rancor that he's got now. And I, I cannot wait for the moment where he comes out of the palace riding the damn rancor. It's going to be splendid, man. It is going to be one of the best things uh, of all time. I guarantee that. I'm so excited to see that when it eventually happens. And if it does not happen, I'm going to be real mad because they set that up. You know, and then they've been showing us these, you know, him riding this Bantha. 
and it's kind of setting up the fact that he wants to ride the Rancor. So we better see that. Uh, so he sees uh, a couple of explosions in the distance, and he goes to investigate, and he comes across a woman lying on the sand, and it's Fennec Shand. Something happened. She is out, dying. He uh, he picks her up, puts her on, on his bantha, takes her uh, to a mod parlor uh, on the uh, at the outskirts of, of uh, the town. He brings her in, pays the modder to fix uh, her up, and saves her life. You know, uh, there's a bunch of modded people out there. Uh, even a couple of those shiny hover Vespas that everybody seems to hate. I don't mind. You know, it, it really it, it doesn't bother me. I probably wouldn't chose them myself. But I think it fits with the vibe of those characters. You know what I mean? It may not fit with everybody else's kind of thought on what Star Wars is. But for the for these what I've been calling these cyberpunks. Uh, it, I think it fits for them. Uh, so, and speaking of cyberpunk, this entire scene inside the mod parlor, it's just pumped full of like '90s cyberpunk music, and I'm loved. I loved it. You know, it reminded me of like the Matrix or like Hackers. You know, like that club music, that real fat. I loved it. It was so good. I it just kind of took me back to the '90s. You know, when I was in high school and. Uh, a little bit of, you know, in middle school and whatnot. It was, ah, oh man, I really, I really, I thought it was perfect. Um, and again, that's what I said. I'm going to start calling, I'm calling them the cyberpunks from now on. I know that later on, uh, Fennec specifically refers to them as the mods. And she's like, because we don't see his gang of, mod, like this biker gang of modified people that he, you know, hired recently. We don't see them at all in this episode. Not, not once. And uh, Fennec makes a, a, a comment later on that the mods are out scouring. They're looking for the mayor. And so that's why they're not there. Uh, but yeah, so apparently they're, they're being called the mods. I'm not calling them that. They're the cyberpunks. And that's, I like that name better. <laughs> I'm sure other people are going to say that name sucks, but I don't care. Uh, so now we, uh, now we know that uh, Fennec's been modded. You know, we didn't know that before. That's something uh, new, uh, at least to me. I didn't, if, if it was known before I missed it. Cause, uh, when, when I saw it happening, I was like, Oh shit. Like she's got, she, I don't know what else. If I don't know if these mods are only life saving mods, um, or if they do something at all, but, uh, I think it's really cool. Um, and I do kind of like the, the fact that he left it open, you know, he's like, you don't want to cover up all that beautiful machinery. I really dug that, you know, cause he takes pride in that. And she actually took it surprisingly well, you know, she was like freaked out at first a little bit, but she got over that super fast. And, uh, and Boba knows who she is. You know, she's a master assassin, Fennec Shand of the mid rim. And, you know, he knows exactly who she is. He, uh, introduces himself. She knows you can see on her face. She knows who he is. And she is like, Oh shit. If this dude is actually Boba Fett, like, like you could like, she's this master assassin and you can see a little bit of fear in her eye. And I, I really, I really liked the way that, uh, that she pulled that off. Uh, her performance is fantastic. She's so great in this, uh, in this show. Uh, uh, now when I believe is her name, She's she's so good, you know. She was great in in um, Agents of Shield, but I think 
this character, even though we don't get a ton from her, I think I like this character better overall. You know, I, I really do. I, I like what she's brought to it uh, a bit more than what uh, we got in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I actually really enjoyed uh, her in that show. So, uh, you know, he's talking to her about uh, stuff and he gets her to help him recover his ship from Bib Fortuna's palace. So that's what we, we finally find out why he was uh, kind of staking out the palace, you know, looking, trying to figure out what's going on um, there. And we finally know he wants to get uh, the slave one back. Um, it's never called that in this. OK, and this was a big thing. He says to her, he says, I need to get my fire spray gunship back. And after this happened, everybody on the internet blew up like, oh, they're changing the name. You know, oh, it's not the slave one anymore. It's the fire spray. And I'm like, that's not what he said. He didn't call it the fire spray. He called it his fire spray gunship. That would be like me saying, I need to go get my Kia Spectra. Uh, <laughs> instead of like, I don't have an actual, like I, I've never named my car, but let's say I named it, I don't know. I named it Grogu. How about that? Instead of me being like, I need to go get Grogu. He, I'd say, I need to go get my Kia, Spect uh, my Kia Spectra. That's exactly what he's doing here. He's just saying, I, I need to go get my fire spray gunship. I need to get my ship. That, that's it. They're just not using the name Slave One. They're not saying that it's changed. They're just actively not using it, which is fine. It doesn't matter. Um, but everybody just flipped their lid thinking, oh, they're changing it. They're changing it. No, they're, they're actually not. Um, it's still called that. They just use other descriptors now because they don't necessarily want to say it anymore, which I think is stupid. I, I get it, but like, it's just the name of a ship now. Like, just come on. People just need to, need to chill out about, Stuff like that. It's been this for what 40 plus years. Is that how long that it's been? Um, yeah, like 40, I think it'll be 45. You know, yeah, just say 40 years. It's been that for like 40 years. Like, come on, people, just relax. Uh, so they stake out the palace, a lot of guards, man. They she sends this little, this little ball droid floating thing. Um, it's like a little drone type of thing. And she, she takes it like off of her gun. And it got me thinking, I was like, man, her gun is kind of like Batman's utility belt. It's got everything. It's got like, it's got little drones. It's got like a knife. Uh, it has, um, and then later on, uh, we see she pulls out this little, uh, I think it's from the gun that she takes it. Um, it's like this little welding thing that, uh, cuts through metal. And she just like strikes it and it cuts through metal. And we, like, we saw her take out, um, who was it? Well, who was, he, was she fighting? Oh, it was the, uh, it was, it was, uh, Chrysanthemum when he was hanging onto the Rancor pit. She like pulled the knife out of her gun and chucked it at his hand. Like she's got everything just in this gun. And like I said, it's like Batman's utility belt. It was pretty impressive. Uh, I'd love to see what other little tricks and toys she's got roaming around, uh, in that, in that thing. 
Uh, so then is they are making their plans, getting ready to go get his ship back. Boba says goodbye to his Bantha, releases it into the wild, you know, again, showing that care and that love that he has for this animal companion of his uh, and, and kind of showing us what we should expect when he starts being more involved, when we start seeing him being more involved with the Rancor. All right, then Boba and uh, Fennec kind of talk about the plan. Uh, and he, his plan, he needs to get a ship. And then he wants to find his armor. And he wants to kill Bib Fortuna, take the throne. He wants to rise up, you know. They're sick of, of just taking orders from idiots. And it's time that they take their place. So uh, they decide that they're going to sneak into the palace because there's too many guards around, you know, that would be too messy. So they, you know, she, she pulls out that, that little striker thing, little like welding thing or whatever it is, and cuts through a few uh, metal bars. They crawl through this, uh, like, I don't know if it's like a, like essentially like a sewer grate kind of a thing. And they make their way into uh, what is like the kitchen area of the palace there are a couple of uh, chef droids specifically a chef droid and a sous, uh, sous chef droid i only know that because on my second watch through i decided to put the uh closed captioning on um so that i could catch a couple of names uh when i was doing stuff and it told and it says that it says so though there's there's two there's one with six arms and with knives that's the chef droid and then the other one is the sous chef droid, which I thought was really cool. That chef droid was awesome, though. You know, it's like it reminded me almost of uh, like General Grievous. You know, the multiple arms, and he starts swinging them around uh, at one point with all the knives. I was like, oh damn, this dude means business. Uh, so Boba and and Fennec come up through the grate and the floor. The sous chef goes to check it out. Uh, they think it's rats first off, and they call for a rat catcher. Okay. And the first time I watched the episode, like I, I heard that line, but I didn't think anything of it. And so then what happens after didn't click in my head until the second time around. And so Boba takes out the sous chef and then the chef droid gets wild. Like I said, he's just swinging these knives around, going nuts, getting wild. Fennec just comes right up from behind it, strikes his neck with that thing. And it just kind of goes right through it and his head just falls right off. It was real quick. I thought we were going to have like a cool little uh, knife battle type crazy thing. She, boom. She took care of it real, real quick. No alarms got set off. But then we see a little droid come through with a net. I didn't catch the net the first time through. So I was like, oh, his little droid wandered in. Okay. It's a, it's an LEP droid. Looks kind of like a bunny, which I thought it was adorable. This is like the, the new cute droid for the series, you know what I mean? I feel like every Star Wars thing has to have like a cute little droid to uh, <laughs> to make people happy, which is cool. Uh, I, I really actually like it. But this little droid is the rat catcher. That You know, that's what the net is for. And I hadn't thought about that, you know? Um, and so like it, it's on its two legs. It's kind of like pear-shaped, got little bunny ears. But then it gets down and can like run like a rabbit, which I thought was cool. Uh, so obviously it's probably, you know, it's fast enough to catch rats um, as well. So I thought that was neat. 
Uh, so Boba catches it because like he it, it starts to run off, and they don't want this thing like sounding the alarm. And so like uh, they're chasing it around. It goes through uh, like where the fire is and stuff. And he has to go around. Boba has to go around the other side. Finally catches it, and it's like freaking out. Like oh, he like tells it who he is. Like he's like I'm Boba Fett, and it just like shuts itself off. I'm just like. Does this little droid know who he is? Because that's kind of awesome, if that's the case. Uh, or did it just like, if it was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to shut myself off. I don't want any trouble, you know? But like, it made it seem like the droid knew who Boba Fett was. Now, like, and that would make sense to me because working in Jabba's Palace, I feel like probably everybody knew, even the droids knew who Boba Fett was. You know what I mean? So that would make sense. Um, to me, I, I actually like that idea quite a bit. Uh, so then they uh, they reach the ship finally, and some Gamorrean uh, guards come in, and uh, and a fight ensues. But it's a quick fight, you know. It's pretty easy. It takes them, you know, to take them down. But then the alarm sounds, and uh, a whole bunch of other guards come flying in. It was. I'll be honest. It was awesome to see the ship. It's just sitting in there i was like oh as soon as they walked in i was like yes yes we finally got to see the slave one and it was awesome to see it uh and so like i said a bunch of other guards come in fennec kind of holds them off as boba goes and boots up the ship uh he has a rough go you know getting it out of the palace <laughs> smashing into things just like dragging the wall uh it's pretty funny uh fennec manages to kind of fend off any straggling uh guards you know who are trying to stop her from there's like a, a, a gamorian first and then another guy who uh she like flips over and like chucks and then she uh shoots the like anchor piece that's holding the the uh the palace gate up and so she shoots that and the, the gate just drops and they're able to just get themselves the hell out of there uh fennec such a badass love her uh so they take off Fennec decides to uh, stick with him for a bit. You know, he said that he has got some scores to settle. And she's like, I'm going to go for the ride. I think she's interested. I think she wants to see if the reputation of Boba Fett really stands up. You know what I mean? I think that's what, what we're seeing here. If she is just, I think she's mostly just intrigued to see what he is going to do, what he can do what he's willing to do if all the stories are true. And uh, I mean, right away, I think she finds out that he's legit uh, as he finds the bikers, the, uh, the Nikto uh, bikers there that took out uh, the, you know, his tribe of Tuscans in the previous episode, he finds them and it's not, it's not a long uh, fight. It's not even really a fight. You know, he mows them down with the slave one. He just turns on the guns and just goes, you know, just mows them all down. I think he, like, sends a missile off to one of them, takes him out like that. No problem. And she, she like, gives him, like, a nod of respect, you know, because he took care of his business. He did it cleanly, got it done. And now, now they're out, you know? And I thought that was that was a cool little scene. Like I said, it was real short, but it was just awesome to see. Because, honestly, we haven't seen any... He hasn't even been in a ship, really. You know, he's been walking around, 
the entirety of the show, you know? And so it was nice to see him flying. We got to see the laser blasts. We got to, you know, I thought it was awesome. I guess the closest thing to flying was when he stole those bikes from, uh, from those bikers at the, uh, at the Tashi station. I think that's the closest that we got to him, uh, like flying really. So, so then they come across the Sarlacc pit, the Sarlacc pit, man. You can see the remains of the, uh, the skiffs around the, 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 the sail barge things. And, uh, I thought that was really cool. Cause like when he, when he got out of it, you didn't really see much cause it, it was real close up. It was close. It was close up on him. And then, like, into the sand on the Jawas that were taking his stuff. We didn't get, like, a, a big land kind of landscapey view. But we were up high because he's in the ship. And so you kind of got to see everything kind of around the Sarlacc pit. And so that was just a cool scene uh, for me. I really, like, a, a nice shot. You know, it was, it was kind of a, it was beautiful to see it. I loved that. Uh, and so he thinks, he doesn't remember, you know, he was pretty out of it. You know, he was messed up. Um, probably dehydrated, getting ready to die and everything, obviously, when he escaped the Sarlacc. And he pretty much passed out. He's like in and out of consciousness uh, the entire time that the Jawas were taking his gear. And so he he didn't know that that's what happened to it because otherwise he would have probably went and tracked down the Jawas and gotten his ship back. Um, so he thought that it was still down in the Sarlacc pit. So he takes the ship and he like the coolest thing about this ship is the way that it can fly at like any angle. And so like we know that it lands on its back, you know, so like where the cockpit is up, it's facing up, and then it flies with the the flat part to the back as the thruster flies that way. But he was able to lean it down so that the cockpit was facing the ground, right? And that was like first just just that aspect alone I thought was awesome. To be able to see the maneuverability of the slave one, I thought was fantastic. Uh, and so he does that, and he puts he puts the glass cockpit part. He puts it right in the mouth of the uh, of the Sarlacc pit because uh, he think I don't know if he thinks it's dead or what he thinks, um, but he he just goes ahead and does it. You know, they turn on the lights and stuff, and they're looking down in in the pit, trying to see if he can see his armor down there. And then suddenly the Sarlacc wakes up, just shoots out tentacles. You got the, the mouthpiece kind of jabbing at him uh, and just holds on to him. They're struggling. They're struggling, trying to get away. Uh, Fennec, find, you know, he even tries like shooting with his blasters from, from uh, wherever they are. I think, I think they were specifically the back ones. Um, but it's just like into the sand. So it's not really doing anything because that thing is deep down in. If you've ever seen a... Uh, uh, what what are they called? A uh, oh man, it's like the split view thing where like you'd cut the you know the land in half, you know, down so you could see everything down it. I know their name for it, and I'm I'm blanking on it right now. But uh, I've seen one of those uh, like you know in like a Star Wars encyclopedia or something like that. And the Sarlacc is huge, man, down there, and so like. Shooting through the top of the sand ain't going to do anything. It's just not. Honestly, I don't even, I think like if he were to be able to shoot just the lasers just into his mouth, it probably would have let him go. I don't think it would, it, it wouldn't kill it. At least unless you were able to just sit there and 
just continuously rapid fire into its mouth. Um, but they don't need to do that because Fennec manages to get out of the seat that she's in and climb up and uh, reach a control panel, hits a button, and drops a sonic charge right down into that into that bitch. The thing, the star like eats it, and then you just hear, and it just destroys the star. The, the sarlacc is dead. There's no way it survived. That his tentacles came off and, and shit. This sarlacc is now they they don't have to worry about it anymore. Fill that sucker in with sand. You ain't got to worry about it anymore. It is dead, dead and gone. Uh, and then we got this hilarious scene from from Boba. Uh, he turns because earlier. Um, she had said something about, uh, you know, next time, I don't remember what she said, next time, something, something, something. And he was like, next time, you know, like, oh, there's going to be a next time. And so after she did all this, you know, she hit the button and everything. They're, they're kind of back to where they need to be. He just turns her, he's like, next time, don't touch my buttons. And it was, I don't know why it just, it cracked me up hearing that line just the delivery uh of it the seriousness on his face it was to me it was fantastic i loved it <laughs> uh it was yeah it was, it was a great time uh so he goes he did they park the ship they they land it and he still needs to he's still looking for his armor right so now that now that sarlik is dead he can go in and he does just that he goes down in we don't actually see him go in we see the after him coming out of the Sarlacc uh, pit and his armor is not in there anymore, but he got badly burned because it's just acid down there. That's how the Sarlacc, you know, you're essentially in its stomach and it's eating away everything. And so he's burning, you know, pouring water on his face. You know, the only reason he survived before was because of the Beskar armor that he had on. And this is where Fennec suggests that he needs to find a back to tank. And so now we know why he's been in it this whole time, you know, because I was wondering, I was like, how, why is he so messed up that he needs to be in this back to tank all the time, every day? You know what I mean? Like what happened that made him have to be, like, I know that he was eaten by the Sarlacc and he dried. I, I thought maybe he's like, well, maybe spending so much time kind of dehydrated and dried out and almost dying in the desert. Maybe that was the reason why. But nah, it, it, I'm sure that's some of it, but it's this acid stuff, man. You know, it's it, that's exactly what it was. And it was cool to have that answer finally. I really, I liked knowing that finally. So they sit and eat after a long day. They're, they're talking more about his plan to take over the throne. And, and he asks her to join him, you know. He says, I can give you something that your other clients never could. And loyalty is his answer. You know, he, he wants to essentially make her his partner, not an employee, you know, cut her in on the success and he will pledge to, to give his life for her, you know, if need be, you know, just like he would expect from her, you know? And I, I liked that, that, that appealed to her because normally she's just, she's a lone wolf, you know, just like he was for a long time. And, uh, and she says to him, you know, she says, uh, I think that living with the Tuscans has made you soft. I was like, oh shit. And his response 
was beautiful to me. He says, no, it made me strong because you can only get so far without a tribe. And that hit, that hit me. You know what I mean? Being alone sucks. And yeah, you can only get so far without, you know, friends or family, without that tribe of people who you can rely on, even if you don't necessarily see them all the time. Those people who you can call up when, when something's wrong and you can vent to them, you can chat, you can do whatever, you know what I mean? It, that I feel like that is essential. Um, and it's so like, it, it was, to me, it just, it was powerful and it hit, uh, it really hit home for me. Uh, so then we see his, you know, then we see the stuff that we had seen before. We see him take out Bib, he kills Bib Fortuna, claims his seat on the throne. That's what we got to see, um, like at the end of uh, Mandalorian, um, when you know they finally revealed, oh, this is what's going to happen. We're going to get a Boba Fett show. He's on the throne now. This is going to be cool. So we see that, and then he's. Uh, back in the ba- uh, back to tank, he wakes up from this vision, from this dream, from this memory. But now he's fully healed. It is the, the the droid who comes and says, "Congratulations, Master Fett, you are completely healed." And I'm like, "Huh?" So if he's completely healed, he doesn't really need to be in the back to tank anymore, unless something ha- like you know he gets stabbed or shot or whatever. Um, then sure, stick him in the back to tank, but he doesn't need like a daily back to tank, uh, session anymore, which to me means no more flashbacks. And when the, when I came to this realization, I was like, they've got three episodes left, like, and they're not doing any flashbacks for those three episodes. And then you see what they do in the next episode. It's like, okay, so really it's just two. And it's probably going to like be like a big two-part finale thing where, you know, where all the stuff is happening, you know, and they're going to really start ramping through the stuff in the present day. And then so it made more sense to me. It was, it was a bummer because I actually loved a lot of the flashback stuff. It was really cool to see. I loved him, the stuff with him and the Tuscans. And I hope that we kind of get, I don't know, even if it's, I, I would love it to be this, uh, this season, but I don't know if we're ever going to get that, uh, just him interacting with Tuscans again. Obviously it's not the same Tuscans, but what I would love to see is cause I don't think we saw the body of the youngling Tuscan. Um, I don't remember seeing the younglings body. Uh, it, how cool would it be if the youngling got away and like uh, they find each other at some point, you know what I mean? Um, and maybe, maybe he trains or maybe he comes to work. So I don't know. I think it would be awesome. I know a lot of people don't want to see the Tuscans like without their head dressing and everything. It could be really cool though. Or, you know, shit, he could just have a, a, a Tuscan working for him. You know what I mean? This, this Tuscan could grow up and be part of his crew. I don't know. It'd be cool. All right. So. The mayor, still MIA, uh, as I said before, uh, the cyberpunks are out looking for him. Boba says he needs his armor, and then we head to the Sanctuary Cantina. It's a great, I love this little place. It's so cool. Uh, it's the owner, um, Garza Whip. I had to write her name down because I actually didn't know what her name was. 
Garza Fwip. She's cool. I like her character, you know. Uh, I hope that we get more interactions um, if we get, like, a season two. I want to see more interaction with her. Uh, so we get to the to the cantina. Kersantin is there. He's chilling. He's drinking. But he's getting angry, you know. he. We see that on his face. The camera pans over, and we see this group of uh, Trandoshans. They're, you know, living it up, man. They're gambling, doing everything, having a good time. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I, I didn't know a lot about this. I had heard it before in passing. I have friends who are really deep into into Star Wars and whatnot. And so, like, I knew that the Wookiees and the Trandoshans had, like, a blood feud. I didn't know a whole lot about it or anything, but this thing goes back generations. And so when I first saw it, I hadn't thought about that. I, I got forgotten. I just wasn't thinking. I was in the moment not really thinking about it. And so my first thought was, I wonder if these if these Trandoshans um, – had anything to do with his capture, you know, him being in the gladiator pits and everything. Uh, if, if that was any part of it, but then I remembered the whole blood feud thing. So I was like, it, that might just be all it is. And so they're just showing the audience this without any real explanation. And I don't really, really think it's necessary to explain. He's just, he's just mad guy. You know, at this point he's angry about the stuff that has happened in his life recently, um, essentially being owned for by you know, from person to person, being told what to do, finally now being free and not knowing what to do with that anger, you know? And so, like, I feel like it could easily read that way. Um, and so he he saw this group of Trandoshans just living it up, having a great time, and it just, it just pissed him off. And so he went off, you know? But you know, it also falls into the whole blood feud thing. And I think um, I don't know if uh, if he would have necessarily done that if he hadn't been kind of going through all that shit. I think he just didn't care anymore. Um, and so he's like, you know what? Fuck these Trandoshans. I am going to take uh, them out. I really think that's what it <laughs> what it really came down to. Uh, and so, like I said, he he just he attacks these Trandoshans. He just starts whooping the shit out of them. Then uh, the owner Garza Whip uh, comes out, talks him down. Almost like she does a fairly good job, you know. She's like, you know, you got nothing left to prove. You know, you are amazing. She just starts piling on the compliments, and then she even like off. She's like, you know, you've racked up quite a quite a tab here. You know, she's like, but listen, if you if you let him go. I will completely wipe your debt from the books. And he thinks about it first. You know, he's like, that's, you know, in his mind, I can just imagine him be like, that's a tempting offer. But he looks at the dude and he's like, then I can hear this you know, in, in his head. I could, you know, hear him being like, fuck that. And he just rips the arm off the Trandoshan that he's holding and just chucks him on the ground, hands her a bag of money and just walks out the door. This whole time, uh, Boba is standing in the doorway watching everything go down. He's just watching. He ain't going to stop it. He's like, meh, that's cool. It's not my business, you know. <laughs> he wants to take out these guys. Hey, th I'm not going to interfere there. Um, and then uh, 
Garza Flip makes a comment to the band. She says, okay, Max, you know, keep on playing or something. So we find out here that that is, in fact, Max Rebo's band. Uh, it's not just another um, one of those aliens. I don't know what is the, the, the species is, what Max Rebo's species is, the blue, the blue elephant guy. Um, but we thought that's, that's Max Rebo's band. I thought that was cool, you know? Uh, so it must've went from, you know, uh, to, I think he was at the most Isley Cantina before and now he's here. Um, and most Espa, I thought that was awesome. Uh, she must've offered him some good money, right? Because it seems like he's the in-house band now. So, uh, so then Boba leaves and he approaches Kersantan and he does the thing that I was Hoping he would do in the previous episode, he finally does it. Offers Chrysanthemum a job to come work for him, and I'm like, "Fucking yes, that's what I'm talking about." Let's get, let's get Chrysanthemum. He is a beast, literally, and in every way possible. And uh, I'm so happy that he's going to be working for Boba now. Uh, so then we flash over to the palace, to Boba's palace, and Boba's having a meeting with Jabba's former captains, which are the those the three heads of the of the tribes or the families or whatever of Mos Espa. They talked about it before, how after Jabba died, Mos Espa got kind of split up into three sections, and uh, and Bib didn't want to like fuck around with that, and so he just made like what they said uneasy alliances with everybody. Um, so apparently these were, were Jabba's former captains. And so he talks to them about, you know, working together to take out the pikes because the pikes are a danger to everybody. You know, they, they don't care what these people want. You know, they're going to take whatever they want. And that's, that's, that's just how it's going to be. Um, one of them asks, you know, like, what's stopping us from killing you and taking what we want? And at that moment, the Rancor just, like, grabs hold of the grate that's on the forge. You see its giant claws come up through it. You hear the roar. Uh, it's funny because you know Boba and Fennec specifically set up that table on top of that on purpose because of this. Um, and so I was like, yes, they all know now that Boba's got a rancor. You want to, you want to fuck around with him? He'll drop you in. You're gone, man. Like it, it's over. And so like, they kind of fall back in line a bit during that scene. We also see a little LEP droid, like the little bunny guy, the rat catcher. I don't know if it's the exact same LEP droid. I don't know if he took it with him or if he just happened to have another LEP droid. Either way, we got one there. And like I had said, I was like, this is going to be like the new, the cute little new droid. We're probably going to see it again if it's in Jabba's or in uh, Boba's palace. So we're probably going to see it again. So I thought that was fun. Uh, and so they they all kind of see how, ja how Boba, I keep saying Jabba, how Boba uh, kind of commands the Rancor. And they're like, oh, shit, this dude means business. Like, maybe we shouldn't fuck around with him. And I, I love that he's starting to get some, you know, he said he didn't want to rule by fear, but you know, you got to rule with a little bit of fear. You know, if these people don't at least, especially the people like, like these captains, like the, the three heads of the, of the tribes, 
if they don't fear you a little bit, then they're just going to get ballsy and start doing things. You know what I mean? And you don't want that. You want respect, absolutely. But a little fear never hurt when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, and so then you know, they they all agree to his proposal to stay neutral. You know, they don't want to get super involved. They don't want to risk spilling their people's blood, right? Because they have no beef with the Pikes at the moment. So Boba says, listen, just promise to stay neutral if they come asking you to, to, to betray me. Just stay neutral. And, and everything will be good. They say that they will, that they'll stay neutral. Will they? I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and so then we get a final scene. It's Boba and Fennec, and they're they're talking. You know, war is coming. You know, and they need to prepare. Uh, so they're gonna they need to put together a crew. You know, and uh, she thinks that they can find some muscle for hire. Uh, you just gotta look in the right places. And as this scene is happening, the Mandalorian theme starts to play at the end. And it's like, oh, shit. Are we getting the fucking Mandalore? Is he going to come and help Boba out? And then we get the next episode. So that was episode four. That was chapter four, The Gathering Storm. And before we get into the next one, I want to—I just want to kind of give my, my final uh, overall thoughts on this one. Uh, I thought this was a, a damn good episode. You know, uh, we had some fantastic stuff in the past. Um, learned a lot of stuff. We got to see save one. Uh, we got to learn uh, why he's in the back to tanks and stuff. You know, we got to see how he met uh, Fennec. Um, we got to, I thought, personally, I thought a really cool scene in the mod parlor. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was really neat. Uh, a lot of cool stuff, the stuff in the kitchen was fantastic uh with the two chef droids that was i really i really dug that um him kind of showing off his power to the captain to Jabba's former captains you know getting to see the rancor's claws him finally getting chrysanthemum on his side because like during that scene with the captains chrysanthemum is back there you know he's ready he, he's one of his guys and then the tease of the mandalorian i was like damn all right, they're taking out the stops. You know, they're at the midway point. They're they're getting they're gearing up for war. We're gonna see some shit go down with the pikes. And this is what I'm gonna say right here. I believe wholeheartedly that the pikes are responsible directly for the death of the Tuscans. I believe. I don't think because like Fennec makes a comment. She's like a bunch of bikers took out some took out the Tuscans. And she's like, highly unlikely. And I think she's right. I think the Tuscans had help from the Pikes to take them out. And I think he's going to find that out at some point. Or maybe, I mean, because I don't think we're going to get flashbacks anymore. So I think we're going to, I think what we know is now is what we know. You know, anything else that we have seen, um, I think is what has come from the Mandalorian. Uh, that's the, the past of Boba between what we got at the end of the flashback here and the start of, Bo of Book of Boba Fett. I think it's just the stuff in um, Mandalorian. 
And so I, I'm wondering if we're going to find out that the Pikes actually had something to do with directly have something to do with the, uh, the, the, the massacre of the Tuscans, you know? And so that's going to send him over. Maybe we're going to see something, something wild happen there. So, uh, yeah, that was chapter four, the gathering storm. Boom. Now we're getting into chapter five return of the Mandalorian. Everybody wanted it. You know, people were, were bash have been bashing on Bo book of Boba Fett so much like, Oh, it's not as good as the Mandalorian. I get it. I agree. I do think the Mandalorian is, ha has been a better show than what we've gotten from Boba Fett, but I still really enjoyed what I've gotten from the book of Boba Fett. You know, I have zero problem with the characterization that they've given to Boba Fett. Everybody who's like, he shouldn't have his helmet off. He shouldn't talk so much. Hell, even the, even was it to, to I'm going to butcher his name, tomorrow Morrison, the guy who plays Boba Fett, even made a comment about how he shouldn't, talk as much and he tried to like get certain lines cut out from from the script but it's like i looked it up boba fett had i think six and a half minutes of screen time in in the movies with four lines of dialogue so people who are like oh this isn't this isn't boba fett no he would never do this you don't even fucking know Boba Fett. You know nothing about him. Because everything in Legends that has happened... Now, don't get me wrong, I love a lot of the Legends books, and I've read a lot of them, including books that involve Boba Fett. But they don't exist in this world. So, this is not that Boba Fett. It has never been. The movie Boba Fett is not the Legends book Boba Fett. So, Wipe that shit all away. Get out of your fucking head about it. And just enjoy the goddamn show. He can take his fucking... I guarantee you, on his off time, that helmet's off and he's a chatty bitch. Guarantee you that it was like that. <laughs> like, you guys just need to chill out. You barely... You saw him at work. He put on his work face. You know, he's got his helmet on. He's doing his thing. He's at work. That's only time you saw him. You didn't see him in his off time. So you don't know anything about him. So chill. I, I, it's really getting on my nerves. The amount of people who are just bashing on it for those reasons. Now, I can understand if you just in general don't care for the show. That's fine. I don't care. But to, to try to make it up because it was the same about the whole Luke Skywalker thing. You know, being like, oh, Luke would never act like that the way he did in the, in the prequel, in the sequel trilogy. Like, bitch, this guy had 30 years to change. And people change, man. Fuck, I'm different than I was 10, 15 years ago. Just imagine what he had to go through for the last 30 fucking years, living with everything that happened during the, the original trilogy. Yeah. He's going to be a different person. Relax. Like people put too much stock in what they think a character or a storyline should be that they can't fathom anything that isn't what they have dreamed up in their head. And so 
then it is all disappointing and oh it's garbage because it's not what you dreamed up in your head well go write your own then go write a go write a, a fanfic about it and post it on the internet and see how bashed you get by the same fans that you're joining together with to bash the other stuff yeah you'll see that's just exactly what will happen all right now that I'm off of my soapbox, let's get in to Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Uh, this episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. You know, she uh, directed uh, an episode in both seasons of uh, The Mandalorian. Um, a fantastic episode in... The first The first season episode was good, but a fantastic episode in Season 2. And this episode is fan is also fantastic. She did such a good job, stellar job. Um, but like I said at the beginning, I'm going to reiterate what I said before. This is an excellent episode of television. It's an excellent episode of The Mandalorian. However, to me, it's not a good episode of Boba Fett of the Book of Boba Fett. It's not a. It's not an episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett's not even in. Now, I saw some people being like, oh, there are plenty of times where, like, if you look at the movies, there's whole chunks of time where the main characters aren't on screen. That's a movie. Movies and shows are structured completely different, okay? You've got seven episodes of a show called The Book of Boba Fett. He should have been in the episode. He should have been at the end of the episode. Should have been him and Fennec at the end of the episode. Not just Fennec. Boba should have been there minimum okay but again i love the episode it's it's fucking amazing but it it just it to me this is just personal this is me it wasn't a it wasn't a book of boba fett episode it wasn't it just wasn't now what it should have been this hear me out guys this is what they should have done they should have done a mandalorian special dropped it at like I don't even know when <laughs> just dropped it a few months back or like maybe like a couple of weeks before, maybe just drop it leading up to book of Boba Fett, you know, maybe like no more than a month. I'd say drop a special episode and I would have made it longer. I would have done like, I don't know. This, this episode was like, I think it was, I think it was like 50 plus minutes. I would have probably tacked on an extra like 20 minutes. Right. And just made its own separate special. It was a Mandalorian special. He does all this stuff. He's doing it. It's great. We get the tease. You know, you could have put Boba in there with Fennec. We get a tease of what's coming for the book of Boba Fett. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, but you would spoil Mandalorian being in the show. But what you would actually be doing is getting people amped for it. You'd be like, wait. Mando's going to show up and help Boba do something like fight somebody. We don't know what yet in the the new upcoming show, Book of Boba Fett. Fucking yes. Let's get on that shit. People would have been stoked because as soon as this episode dropped, nobody's talking about the Book of Boba Fett. Everybody is talking about Mando season three. <laughs> That's what all I kept seeing. Oh, Mando season three is going to be awesome. Blibbity blobbity like yeah, it probably will be, but that shouldn't be what happens here. You should be the talk should be about what's coming in the last two episodes 
a bubble fat. I feel like it derails the, the season a bit. And so, like, you have this special, you know, goes through the whole episode, and then maybe we get tack on a little bit more and see him maybe go visit Grogu or whatever. Okay. <clears throat> and it wraps up and does whatever. And then we get into a six-episode season of this. And so, and then we go through, we get those first four episodes and we still get the, the music cue. You still hear the Mandalorian. So you're like, oh, it's finally happening. Mandalorian is finally, we saw that special. We knew it was coming. Now we finally know that it's happening. <clears throat> and then episode five, which will be, you know, next, next week's episode, which, you know, what I'm saying, he, maybe he'll be there. I don't know if he'll be there next episode or if he'll be there in the last episode. I don't know what episode he's actually going to be in. But if we had already gone through the special, then we wouldn't have to like wonder. It could just happen. Boom. He could be in the next episode. And I feel like everybody would be far more pumped for the second to let for the penultimate episode. Nobody's been talking about the penultimate episode of Boba Fett. They've all been talking about Mando season three. And I think that's a disservice to the show, unfortunately, but. Okay, anyways, let's get into uh, the episode. Uh, so we start off, we're kind of in a slaughterhouse. A mysterious figure approaches. Uh, we're getting a shot. He's behind like those plastic slice curtain things that you get in like freezers. And he comes up and you see his silhouette. And instantly I was like, holy shit, that's Mando. Because you can you can tell it's, it's Mandalorian armor. But you know it's not Boba Fett because you can see the spear. And I'm like, that's fucking Mando. And he comes through and I was like, yes. I was so fucking excited. Uh, it was, I, I was so goddamn pumped. <clears throat> now, I did not expect this to be a full episode of, of The Mandalorian. I figured, okay, we're going to get like this opening. He's going to head to Tatooine, meet up with Boba Fett. They're going to talk some stuff. Maybe they'll do something together. And it will kind of lead into the, the you know the rest of the, the series, the rest of the last two episodes. That's not what happened. So th this opening scene just showed me how much, and it obviously showed everybody else how much we all miss Mando. I love that show; it's fantastic. Um, and again, I I love I've been really loving uh, Book of Boba Fett, but. Mando's on a different level. It just is, you know, and that's why I think placing this where they did, I think it does a disservice because it takes, because everybody's like, this is the best episode of Boba Fett doesn't even have Boba Fett in it. And so like, if you had just made it its own separate special, then they wouldn't have that. You know, it would just be the Boba Fett show without this like stopping point. It just kind of stops the show dead, unfortunately. Uh, and so he gets in there and he's looking for a bounty. He's there to collect a bounty. And uh, Mando is kind of what people wanted Boba Fett to be, like character wise. You know, he's this bounty hunter that doesn't, you know, that's fucking badass and is just going around collecting bounties. I think that's what a lot of people wanted for the, the character of Boba Fett to be, but we got Mando first. Um, and so like, if we had done that with Boba Fett, it just would have been like, oh, they're just copying Mando 
You know what I mean? Unfortunately for that. But again, I like the kind of ruler side uh, of Boba Fett. I like seeing that. And so I'm actually really interested. And that's a character development for him. Otherwise, he would just still be that bounty hunter. It's just him doing the same thing he's been doing for years on years on years. But I like seeing this development of him. So anyways, Mando, he gets in there. He knows this guy's bullshitting him. And uh, he's like, listen, I can take you in warm. Or I can take you in cold. And he's ready to fucking go. And uh, this dude's, uh, like, people just start attacking him. And he just beats the shit out of them. And then this motherfucker pulls out the dark saber, right? I mean, if you remember, he took out Moff Gideon. And he got the dark saber. I was so, like, I freaked out. When he lit that thing up and just started going to town, taking people out, and then he like slams the the dude that he's uh, <clears throat> that he's he's looking for onto this table, and then just cuts him and the table right in half. And I was like, "Holy shit!" I couldn't. I was like, "Wow, that was impressive uh, t- <laughs> to me." I, I I was thrilled to see that happen. <laughs> I know that might seem a little dark, but it was so cool to see. Uh, and then he cuts off this thing, this dude's head, walks out. He, in the process of this fight, though, by the way, he, you know, he's going and he winds up like hitting his leg with the dark side because he's, as he's fighting, it, it, it looks like it's kind of difficult to wield. And we find out why in a little bit. Um, but it looks like he's he's having a difficult time wielding it. And he winds up like catching his leg and like burning a big section of his of the side of his thigh um with the dark saber, you know. And so like he's he's injured, he's kind of hobbling a bit, um, trying to, you know, finish this fight and then get out. Uh so he steps out, all the factory workers are there, and and he's like, Listen, I was just here to collect this bounty. Your boss is dead. There's a whole bunch of credits in there. I have no claim to them. If you want them, you can take what what uh, you're owed from your former boss and and let me through. And they do, man. They they make a path, and then they all just start shouting, you know, running into the other room to like collect whatever money they can find. And he takes off, <clears throat> and he uh, he he's working in this like. I don't know what else to call it, but uh, I just called it like a ring city in space. I've seen it. I've seen these types of things in other movies. Um, first one that comes to mind is I think it's uh, Elysium, the one with Matt Damon, or it's very similar. But I've seen it in other in other movies as well, where it's just like a floating ring in space, and the city just travels all along it because it's got its own artificial gravity that keeps everything to the to the walls. <laughs> it's really kind of cool. Uh, honestly, I, I really dig the look of it. Uh, but this is where he's working. He's out in space. And this is the first time that we have been off planet on this show, you know, and it's not even any of the main characters on the show, but you know, that's, you know, again, is what it is. <laughs> uh, and so Mando brings the head of his bounty to the person who hired him. And, uh, there's this really cool, like rotating camera one shot. It goes around, like it follows him in. And then it's like, it's kind of like going slowly around the table, you know, keeping, keeping center on him. 
as uh, as he's talking and everything and, and you know, trying to get the information that he was promised from this this person and uh he finally you know he finally does he threatens to take the head and you know because he had a bounty on it to sell it to somebody else or whatever on uh, to collect the bounty elsewhere and uh but you know they give up the the information that he's looking for and uh this information leads him to uh Paz Vizla and the armorer the last two uh, of the i think it's the children of the watch i believe is their like tribe's name if i'm not mistaken them and dinjarin mando as i call them are the only three left after the the big slaughter on navarro that's all that's left and so he he meets up with them in secret gets fixed up you know uh uh, Paz uh, sprays this stuff on. I was so, honestly, I was surprised that Mando doesn't have like one, like a back to spray kind of a thing on him. <laughs> like he's got all this other stuff, but he doesn't have back to spray on him that he, where he could just spray his wound and like, you know, start working on the healing process. I was actually very shocked by that. Um, And so he gets fixed up, like I said, and then he, he pulls out, the dark saber because the armor says, you know, what kind of weapon did that to you? And he pulls out the dark saber and, uh, Paz recognizes it instantly. You can tell, um, like he knows what it is. And we, and we, and we learn later on why, um, like why and how he knows exactly what it is. And, uh, he also, Paz brings it over to the armor. And the armorer is looking at it and, you know, she's asking him, you know, if you do know what this is and everything. And we get a bit of a, you know, a bit some some history uh, about Mandalore and the significance of the Darksaber and everything, which was really cool. Um, the Darksaber played a much bigger role uh, in Clone Wars. I remember it in some of the Clone Wars stuff. Um, I haven't watched season seven, so I don't know if, it, if there's more of it in that. I have not watched Rebels uh, or The Bad Batch. Um, yeah, and so I don't know if it's anywhere in any of those, but we learn, like I said, we learn some more stuff uh, about Mandalore, and uh, we even hear a, a bit about the the Mythosaur, which is the the Mandalorian symbol is the skull of a Mythosaur. <clears throat> so I, I'm, I'm I really hope that maybe in season three. We see him like a mythosaur. Oh, how cool would that be? That would be pretty awesome. Uh, and so the armor asks him about the Beskar sp spear that he's got. You know, he's like, Where she, she's like, where, where did you get that spear? And he tells, uh, he tells her that he got it from uh, uh, Bokatan. Um, and she's like, That that spear is. It, to just the existence, the mere existence of that spear is a danger to the Mandalores, to the Mandalorians, I mean, uh, because it can pierce Beskar. You know, Beskar was not meant to be turned into weapons. It was meant for armor. That's what it was meant for. And so he, you know, she tells him all this. She doesn't ever ask for, for the spear, you know. But you can tell she's kind of like, she's saying it without saying it, you know. She's letting him know that, like, yeah, maybe you should hand it over so we can take care of this. 
And he does. He offers it up to her um, to turn it into armor. And she, you know, he specifically says uh, uh, foundling armor. And uh, she's like, okay, who are we making this for? And he said, you know, it's going to be for Grogu. And so we see her kind of doing some forging, heating it up, pounding it and everything. Uh, and then we see like a bunch of chain links. Now, I don't know if, if these chain links are the best. Like, did she turn the Beskar into a bunch of chain links? Is she making, did, did she make Grogu uh, chain mail armor out of Beskar? I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, it could be neat. But the thing is, no matter what she made, she wrapped it up in this little rag that like fits in the palm of, of Mando's hand. And so like to me, like there's no way that's armor. There's no way. Like how could that have been armor? So unless she made him armor and something else. And so like we didn't see the armor. Like we didn't see that, but like maybe there was an extra gift and that's what we saw. I'd otherwise, I don't know. Like, the only thing I could think of it being that because it was super small. Like, we see it later on. Um, he's looking at it, he pulls it out, and like I said, it's real small. And the way it's tied, it like looks like Grogu's head, which I thought was really funny. Uh, but like, it's like the size of that little ball thing that he kept stealing, that Grogu kept stealing off of Mando's like shifter. It's like the size of that. And so it made me wonder, like, did he make a Beskar, like, little ball for him? But that's not armor, and that's what he asked for. So I don't I don't know. We never actually get to see what he had made, um, and we never get to see uh, Grogu either, so we don't actually know what's going on um, there. Uh, and so the armor is not a fan of Bo-Katan. She, she blames her for uh, the fall of Mandalore. Because she was undeserving of the dark saber, you know the whole the whole thing about the dark saber is that you need to win it in combat in order to be worthy. And if you wield, like if you take possession of the dark saber without winning it in combat, because Bo-Katan was given it, um, then it, you become essentially it's like it like curses the tribe. And so that's what she she blames the fall of, of Mandalore on her. And we get like this flashback of the fall. And we, we see these like these K2 droids just walking through the desolated areas. And so then it was really cool to see it. But I want them, I want more. <clears throat> so I'm hoping that we get more detail, more we go a little bit more in depth when it comes to that. Um, in Mando season three. And that's the thing. There were a lot of uh, left open questions uh, in this. And so it just, it just got everybody talking about Mando season three, Mando season three. Nobody is focusing on Boba, on book of Boba Fett episode six. Nobody. And at least nobody that I've seen. I'm sure there are some people. I mean, I'm, I'm more wondering about it, but uh, I don't know. It's just, I think, I think they, I think it was a bad move. To stick this episode here again, I think it would have been a great, like, special just one shot special thing leading into Boba Fett. 
would have pumped people up, would have satiated that need for some Mando, led you into, gotten people more excited for Boba Fett. But again, you know, you can't, <laughs> can't turn back time. If I could turn back time. No, you can't. Sorry, guys. Not, not going to happen. And I'm not going to sing anymore. Uh, so the, the fall of Mandalore is also what kind of forged the the kind of beliefs and the creed of the the children of the watch you know it, it's the thing that really made them die hard uh believers in this stuff because they believed that the fact that they held steadfast to their mandalorian ways you know never taking off their armor and all that their helmet and all that stuff and all these 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 like rules under their creed and everything, they, they believe that doing all of that and staying with those beliefs is what saved them and what continues to save them, even though so many of them have now died, you know. Um, and then the uh, the armor begins teaching Mando how to wield the dark saber. It's difficult though. You know, it's not like a lightsaber. You know, this thing, this thing runs on your energy. Like it, it, you control it with your energy. You know, she talks about if you fight against the light, uh, against the dark saber, it becomes harder to wield. You know, it becomes heavier to wield, like physically heavier. You see it; the energy becomes heavier and it oh, drags it down. Um you have to kind of like become one with it and, 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 and essentially treat it as an extension of yourself and then you'll be able to wield it. And, and so I'm, I'm excited for the moment when that finally does happen because like Mando's ability with other weapons, like we see it later on. Like, so Paz gets all like fucking hot under the collar. He's like, you know, the dark saber was forged by my ancestors and it's my birthright. It belongs to me. And first off, I'm like, it can't be your birthright. That's the whole point. You can't just be given it. So no, it's not your birthright. You can fight for it, but it is not your birthright because you cannot just be given it. Otherwise the whole point of that, you know, the whole point is it will bring ruin to Mandalore, which it has, you know what I mean? Uh, and so she, she, you know, she said, she mentioned that and he, he says that he's going to challenge for, you know, challenge Mando for it, uh, challenge him to a duel. And, uh, Mando agrees and, and Paz almost wins this thing. He is going ham on him. He's a big dude. Like, he's huge. And even, even him, he at one point gets hold of the the dark saber, and he's struggling to lift this thing. You know what I mean? Like struggling hardcore to lift this thing. But Mando, he's just too good, especially when he's using his own weapons. You know, he's he pulls out like this little dagger, and he's just like you know, kind of flipping around and hoo, 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 doing like ninja moves man i don't know but he's getting around there stabbing him stabbing him slicing him and he finally gets it behind him right behind the you know right up to the throat and that's the end of the that's the end of it 
He doesn't kill him. You know, uh, armor stops that. I don't know if he would have, to be totally honest. He might have, but I don't know. Um, and so Mando takes the uh, the Darksaber. But the armor has a question for for them. And I'm going to say this. I, I thought it was random. Okay. It kind of just came out of nowhere. She asks, uh, cause like he's got, he's got Paz with the, you know, the knife up to his throat and she asks Paz, you know, have you ever removed your helmet? He's like, no. And then she asks Mando. And if you watched Mando season two, you know that he's removed his helmet. Actually, I think it might, I think it might've happened at the end of season one actually now that i think about it i'd have to go back and, and rewatch. but he's nonetheless he's taken it off multiple times you know he took it off uh when they were in that imperial place with um with that other dude <laughs> whose name i just it's bill burr's character i just can't remember his character's name uh he winds up having to take it off there you know he's taken it off a few times and uh so you know he he's hesitant to answer but he does he says you know yes and she essentially banishes him from, you know, she's like, you're no longer a Mandalorian. You know, it's like the, the whole name of his show is The Mandalorian. And now he's not a Mandalorian anymore, technically. I mean, I know they're not going to change the show, but and uh, you know, she says that there is like there's like one way that you can um, redeem yourself. And I don't even remember. It was like some crazy thing that he had to do. Uh, to to you know, essentially it's kind of like, like essentially like washing himself clean of his sins, you know, that kind of a thing, right? It's like going to confession, but way more. (laughs) Um, and so she makes him leave, you know, he's out. The interesting thing, she doesn't demand like his armor back or anything. She's let, you know, does, you know, the, none of it. She lets him leave with the, um, with the dark saber, with his armor and everything, and just goes, you know, uh, he's just not part of the tribe anymore. And so now he's more like, like Bo-Katan and, and, and her crew and them and all of these other ones. Now there's only two members of the, the children of the watch left. Uh, and then he takes, he, he makes his way back. Actually, before I even get into that, I, I this was something I had in my mind about that whole previous scene. Um, because I said it kind of came out of nowhere that she asked that question. And it got me wondering, um, did she know? Like, did she already know that he had taken his, his helmet off at least once, you know, uh, of the few times that he had? And And that's why she brought it up. Like, was she essentially giving him one last chance to be with his people and to, and maybe she knew about the spear too. You know what I mean? Cause like, if she knew that he took his helmet off, she probably knew about the spear and like, maybe she was waiting till she could get it from him. Because like she said, it's a danger to the Mandalorians, you know, it being, and now it's gone. And so like, if he had it and she banished him, and he became their enemy, he could kill them. Like he could theoretically hunt them down and kill them with that very spear. But, uh, so it, it does, it makes you wonder, did she already know about all of that and just wanted to get him there so that she could get the spear 
and then you know he happened to also have the dark saber it's like oh shit okay let's let's see if maybe hey pause you know maybe she gave him a little look you know a little little nod get that shit back and then we'll kick his ass to the curb but he's not able to defeat him and so she's just like okay you're out <laughs> take your shit and go uh and uh, and that's how it is i don't know i'd love to hear your thoughts you know head over to at uh movie blog Merc on twitter i'd love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think um that that she might have already known about some of the stuff going on because uh i don't know it seemed like it's a possibility uh all right so he then makes his way to tatooine and there's this cute little interaction with a little rodian kid uh it does kind of come back later when he's kind of flying around through space um he sees it he sees this kid again but it's it's really just like a cute he's sitting in his seat the kid you know, it's just like on an airplane. The kid gets up, turns around. He's like looking at him. You know, it was it was funny. I, I really I enjoyed that. It shows that he's got some humanity, you know, and I I've always that's one of the things I love about him as a character. Uh, and so he this is where he pulls out the little gift for Grogu. It's just wrapped up. It looks like his head. I thought that was really cool. You know, it's like, you know, exactly where what he is thinking about in that moment. Um, You know exactly who it's for and everything. It was just a nice little, like he's still with him, you know. Even though he's not there, he's always he's always kind of with him. Then we're finally back on Tatooine. Mando heads over to uh, Peli Mato's place, the mechanic there on Tatooine. We saw her uh, quite a few times in uh, Mandalorian, and uh, so we get we we the uh, the scene shows up at her shop. That's where the scene starts. Uh, she's trying to kill what I assume is a swamp rat. Um, I don't think they ever actually say it in the episode, but I'm just like, first thing that popped in my head, you know, uh, bullseye swamp rats with his T-16, you know? Uh, and so I'm like, oh, I bet you it's a swamp rat. That'd, that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, and it's like on, it's like loose in her shop running around. It's like chasing one of her little droids, like a little, I think she called it a BD or DB. One, I don't know, one of those. But it's a little cute little droid. It's like, run, a little, almost looked like a little mini version of an ATST. That's what it almost looked like. And it was really cute. Uh, so this thing is chasing around and she's trying to get it. And at one point it like grabs her and like starts dragging her away. And that's when Din comes in and shoots the thing, uh, saving her and everything, which was cool. And then, uh, you know, we get some fun interactions between them. Uh, she says that she has a replacement for the razor crest, which was destroyed. But it's not another Razor Crest. That's what he was expecting. He was like, okay, you're going to get me a new Razor Crest. No. What he she gets blew my mind. I was so excited. I knew exactly what it was before she ever said it. As soon as she pulled the sheet off this thing, I was like, oh, my God. That's the Naboo Starfighter. That's right. N1 Naboo Starfighter. If you remember from The Phantom Menace, uh, Anakin, little Anakin gets up into this like yellow ship and to hide. And he accidentally, he's like pressing buttons and stuff and, and turns it on. He like flies off in it. It's one of those ships an N1, uh, Nabu starfighter. And I freaked out when she pulled the sheet off and I saw it. Cause I, like I said, I knew exactly what it was. I was like, Holy shit. Like they're pulling stuff in like that. Like they're really leaning into some like prequel references. And I, 
I kind of dug that because a lot of times they just ignore the stuff that happens in the prequels. So Mando's not happy though with this. You know, he wants his big gunship. You know, he wants he wants the Razor Crest. But you know, he she convinces him. You know, he comes around and even like she gets him to help her uh, finish putting it together because it's not all put together yet. Um, we, at one point we learned that uh, that Peli once dated a Jawa, which just seems real weird. Uh, she's like, you know, real furry. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, that's that's awkward, but okay, in- interesting. She can speak Jawa, uh, Jawa which is cool. Uh, so they they really mod the ship out. It looks bitching in the end, man. Uh, they stripped most of the yellow paint off. It left a, co- a few cool little like yellow markings on it, but most of it they stripped it like right down to the chrome, and it looks it, it looks like a ship that Mando would you know Mando all chrome, and now his ship pretty much all chrome. I, 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 it really fit and it looks sleek, man. This thing, uh, as he says later on wizard, apparently that's a thing. Never heard that term, but I'm like, I like it. Totally wizard. Yo, it, it looks fantastic. Uh, so Din, uh, Mando asks the Jawas, uh, for some, a very specific, specific parts, you know, he puts together a list or whatever. Um, I don't remember what this thing was called when they bring it in, but they bring in this part that he wanted. And apparently they stole it from the Pikes, uh, from one of their spice uh, running ships. And uh, Pelly says that the Pikes have been, you know, have kind of caused this whole area to go to hell ever since they started running spice through it, through the area. And so I felt like, this was their way of kind of tying in what's happening in the book of Boba Fett uh, into this episode. Um, and it, and I wondered, will this come back around the fact that his now his new ship has stolen Pike equipment on it? Uh, it makes me wonder if that'll come back. And uh, hey, either way, I think that's, you know, that's, that's fine, but it, it introduces him to the Pikes. Um, which is good because he's gonna have to, he's gonna be dealing with them soon enough. Uh, she uh, Pelly had removed the droid port, so if you remember, um, most ships you know <laughs> like that are like that these like small personal one one person ships have a, a spot for like a like an R two or like an R four droid to sit in, and uh, she removed the she like, kind of like hollowed it out or whatever. And put a dome on it, right? And I'm like, you didn't have to put a dome on, like a clear dome on it. You could have, you could have put a chrome dome on, it or like a, or something flat over it, you know. But they, she put a clear dome over it, and it makes me wonder: is like, are we gonna get a scene? Are we gonna get some shots in Mando season three of little Grogu in that in that little space? So like, Mando's in his cockpit and you get little grogu in in the droid port i think that would be adorable um i think it would be just fun to see them get back together for that uh so he starts it up you know it's it's a little rough at first but he gets it going and he has you know he starts flying and he has to open it up because it's a starfighter you know he's used to flying a gunship he's got to open this sucker up he's got to fly it like a starfighter so he does and he takes it on a test run through Beggar's Canyon. And this whole scene, the scream pod race scene, 
from Phantom Menace, man. And I loved it. He's zipping through the canyons and everything and just spinning around. And, oh, man, I absolutely loved it. Like, I know that The Phantom Menace, not a very good movie, but there is some fantastic stuff in that movie. You know, the pod race stuff, you know, uh, Darth Maul is great. Those, you know, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. The pod, again, I love the pod race stuff from there. And so seeing this just brought me back to that. I was like, ah, it gave me the warm feelings about the, the prequels that, you know, I like to get sometimes. So that was, that was real nice. Uh, and so then he's like, let, let's really see what this thing can do. And he takes it up into space. And he's like flying. He's going real fast. Uh, he flies over this commercial ship. He kind of goes by. At one point, he goes by uh, the windows of it, and you see the little Rodian kid. I don't know if it's the exact same kid, but you kind of have to assume, you know, after the what they showed before, it's that same little kid. Uh, and they kind of lock eyes. I thought that was really cool that we got that again. Uh, and then he takes off, but then he gets stopped by some new Republic officers in their uh, X-Wings. Yeah, and uh, they say that he was flying too fast near a commercial ship. Uh, that, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. And then they start asking him questions, you know, like uh, for his registration, his title tabs and everything like that. He doesn't have anything, any of that stuff at the moment. Um, you know, they just built the thing. Plus, he, he's trying to keep it off the radar anyways. You know, he doesn't want to be uh, ID'd in this thing. But he does get recognized. Uh, one of the pilots recognizes his voice. Uh, he was, I believe he was in. Um, I don't remember if he, because like there was an episode of Mando uh, where I think it was, it was like the spider, like the ice spider one, maybe. I don't know. There was an episode where he comes across a couple of um, New Republic guys. And uh, I don't remember if he, if this guy was one of them or not. I'd have to go back and rewatch uh, the episodes uh, to make sure. But he knows, and I, I recognize him. Like I've seen him in other stuff, and I'm very well might have seen him in Mando. Um, again, he recognizes his voice. He's like, "Did you, did you used to fly a Razor Crest? You know, the, there was some stuff that happened on Navarro. He's like, I'd like to ask you a few questions." And he flips open his button. That's like essentially the spacecraft version of like a NOS button, you know, and he hits that thing and he just zips right on out of there to sublight thrusters. Uh, and it's like, it, it essentially it looks like he jumped into hyperspace, but he never had to, he didn't have to like spin up any drives. Cause that's not what it was. It was his sublight thrusters and just boom, gone. And there's no way they're getting, they're getting him to hit to him after that. Which I thought was, fucking awesome like the fact that now he can do that yeah this is gonna be cool shit man uh so <laughs> he heads back uh down to tatooine and uh heads back over to pelly's and she says an old friend stopped by and it's fennec fennec shan she's still there uh she offers him some work you know he's like for for boba and she's like yeah you know, uh, it's not, it's not a bounty. They need some muscle. And she, you know, she's like, it pays well, hands him a little bag of money. And he's like, tell Boba this one's on the house. I was like, that's awesome. But he said he has to make a little visit, make a visit to a little friend first. And so obviously 
that's going to be Grogu. Now, here's my thing, right? So that's the end of the episode. We don't get to see Grogu. So I'm wondering, is he not going to be in the next episode because he's off doing stuff with Grogu? And then he's going to come back in the last episode to help fight? Or are we going to get more Mando like stuff like that in the next episode, which I think is a waste of the episode, the Boba episode, you know, and that is the main reason why I think this should have been a special because you could have gotten, you could have gotten everything you got in this episode. Plus you could have seen him go and, and, and meet and see Grogu again. We could have gotten, you know, 20 to 30 minutes more where it's that kind of stuff. And then we would have seen like we made and all this other stuff. And then he could have headed back, you know, headed back, but we didn't. And so like, I'm curious as to how it's going to work out. Are we ever going to see him go there? Is it going to be in Mando season three, which ain't till like December. Um, and that's if it doesn't get pushed back. Uh, so are we not going to see anything about where, okay, he went and visited Grogu and then he comes back and fights. So we're not going to see that chunk in the middle of him going and visiting Grogu to some other time. Or are we going to spend more time, not having a Boba Fett show. And so I worry about that. But nonetheless, fantastic episode. Bryce Dallas Howard, mwah, chef's kiss right there. It was beautiful. You know, the the the, tra the track that tracking shot at the beginning when he, he was delivering his bounty was beautiful. I absolutely loved it. Um the uh, just the look of the ship, the the stuff out in space. I don't know. Everything was great. You know, it was a, it was a wonderful Mandalorian episode. It really, really was. And it got it's gotten a lot of people thinking. Bryce Dallas Howard needs to do more. Like she's or they already announced she's going to be directing uh, an episode in season three. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if she directs an episode of Ahsoka because that is also part of the Mandoverse, which we will be covering on Hey Mando here, since it is one of the spinoffs uh, from that. We will not be uh, covering things like The Bad Batch or and, uh, and or Obi-Wan on this, because this is specifically, I don't like, it's not just a Star Wars show. Um, it's specifically a Mandoverse. That's how, I, that's how it's been uh, branded. Um, so if you, if you want those, uh, I mean... If you're interested in having me uh, do reviews for those, let me know. Um, I might be willing to do a separate show covering some of the other uh, Star Wars content out there uh, as well. Just let me know. Um, but for now, it's just going to be Mando, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, any other spinoffs that they do uh, within that realm. Um, and so it's gotten more people thinking they're like, oh, she should direct a movie now. And some people are like, ah, you know, I feel like that's a waste. Don't give her just, you know, oh, she two hours to do a movie. Give her a whole season of a show. Now, I wouldn't be opposed to her doing a season of a show, but I think I would, I would love to see her do movies as well. So, like, I'll be honest. I want to, I kind of want to see her do a solo two to take over for her dad because her father's Ron Howard. I'd love to see her do that and then either do a full series or get a trilogy, a, a film trilogy 
because that would be like about the same amount of time frame. You know what I mean? You're getting like, depending on the length of the movies, you're getting like six to eight hours worth of content in three movies. And so you're looking at six to eight episodes, you know what I mean? And so I think a three movie arc would be awesome for her as well. Um, but I still, I really kind of want to see her do uh solo. I just, just because I think it would be, she's, she's the stuff that she's directed for star Wars has been, I think really, really good. Um, and I think it would be cool to kind of see her, uh, take over the, the, that franchise, that part of the franchise for, uh, from her father. And I need, I want, I want fucking solo too, man. Hashtag make solo two happen. Let's do it. You know, I want to see more. I know a lot of people were like, nah, I dug it, man. I really dug it. I'd love to see more of that. Um, maybe get, uh, I, I want to see some, uh, was it Crimson Dawn stuff? Yeah, let's do that. I would, I would be down for it. So, um, but yeah, I think that's everything, uh, that I am here to chat about as far as, uh, these two episodes of, uh, uh Boba Fett go. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed uh, my thoughts and everything. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to head on over to movie blog Merc. You can see it right down there uh, at movie blog Merc on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty active over there. So uh, just, you know, shoot me a, shoot me a line. You know, I'm, I, I will definitely respond. Uh, so yeah, uh, be sure if you, uh, like what you are seeing and hearing, um, especially if you're on YouTube, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button and click that little bell. So you always get notified when I drop a new, uh, video. Um, if you're listening on, uh, either Apple or Spotify, make sure to rate and review, uh, a five-star rating goes a long way. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, rate and review there. If you are listening on Anchor, okay, I have anchor.fm slash movie blog Merc. You can actually leave a voice message. I would love that. Uh, you know, and if it's something cool, if it's a cool question, cool comment, I might even just play it on air. Uh, that could be could be fun. So uh, yeah, definitely do that. Um, got Facebook at uh, Merc with a movie blog, uh, Merc with a movie blog.com. That's my website. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at movie blog Merc. And then obviously check out the YouTube channel right here. Thanks everybody. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope that you, uh, you join me next week for chapter six of the book of Boba Fett. Catch you guys next time.